0: Welcome to Menopause Uprising, the Wellness Warrior podcast with me, your host, Catherine O'Keefe. Today, I'm thrilled to be approaching menopause from a different aspect, talking all about the legal aspects of menopause in the workplace and what you need to be aware of. I'm joined by Melanie Crowley, who's head of the biggest employment practice in the country, Mason hayes Kern. We're talking about what employers need to do in the workplace, what you can do as an employee, and also the gender, age and disability aspects that come into play when we talk about the subject of menopause. So a slightly different slant on menopause today, but a really important part of menopause Melanie Crowley is with me today, head of the biggest employment practice in Ireland. And at the age of 46 and a mum, Melanie gets it. She understands perimenopause and menopause and what it's about. And really what we're talking about today is, you know, where are we at in Ireland in relation to the legal aspects of menopause in the workplace? and. As we know, we're making huge inroads, particularly over the last two to three years in menopause awareness throughout the country, socially, but also in the workplace. And I think the last 18, 24 months in particular have really put a spotlight on menopause in the workplace. Melanie,
1: what are you seeing in your practice? First, thanks for having me. Um, I'm delighted to be here. So... Look, one of the things I say to, to clients and to anybody who listen, there are 30 lawyers on on the employment and benefits team in Mason, Hayes & Curran. So I, I'm of the view that whatever we're seeing is a fairly decent measure what's going on in the marketplace. And we are definitely in the last year, 18 months, as you say, fits perfectly with your timeline, Getting asked increasingly about menopause, about liability, um some policies, not lots, but I do think they're coming. And I'm delighted to see it as you say i'm forty six I'm a professional, <laughs> I'm a mother, so I, I I think it's a it's a good thing. um, you know, ten years ago, um after I'd been through it, it was about fertility and it was great to see that conversation happening and that's something that's very well embedded in most employers policies and procedures most progressive employers policies Mm -hmm. and procedures i mean like it's not in everybody's but but they're certainly there and and i can see the same movement now with policies with procedures and with consideration being given to all things menopause related and a lot of it's not just about policies it's not just about risk it's about education yeah it's about awareness and like certainly you know, I think we're very progressive but certainly in Mason Hayes and Curran ourselves we run sessions for our employees on menopause on awareness mm-hmm. on what it is on um what employees can do to help themselves and I am very proud of that fact, mm. um, and, and I, but I think it's indicative of what's going on in the marketplace and the expectation of employees as well.
0: Yeah, and I I think that is like the education and awareness piece is so important. like, you know, I find when a lot of companies ask me, you know, where do we start? And, you know, I would generally say, you know, you don't have to start with a policy because really what most um, women and men are looking for is the education piece. The policy really is kind of, it's a nice to have, you know, if it's policy or guidance, we can talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes, but... I do think that's nice to have. It's that education piece that is so essential and I think look that's we know that's across um, not just in the workplace but across society having more menopause education you know, it's something I'm quite passionate about trying to get it into the SPHE curriculum in secondary school so as a start and just having it across you know that we have it within healthcare and mm. so forth
1: but you know that's a that's a bigger that's a bigger conversation. I have to say when, when we ran the session in the office I was and we did it over Zoom because it was during lockdown I was absolutely gobsmacked at the volume of our employees and partners mm. and junior and senior people who attended um and I and look I think it was indicative of a level of interest yeah. um and, yeah. and desire and need for that education piece I absolutely agree with you yeah and I love to think that my 13 year old son over the course of the next few years is might be educated about An inevitable, yeah, yeah,
0: an inevitable life stage. And I
1: I think the other part of it is particularly when it
0: comes to the workplace is that, you know, menopause isn't just impacting a woman. It's also impacting everyone, like, you know, partners, families, work colleagues, etc. So, you know, that's another way of kind of just thinking about it, not just in a more narrow (coughs) term where we think about just the woman's experience, but it's the fact, the impact, that it has. Like, you know, for example, (laughs) last night I was tossing and turning big time in bed last night because I was having a night sweat and my husband woke up and he said, oh God, you know, that was a great night's sleep, not. <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> you so know, that's your, true. Your, yeah. your partner is impacted too if you're having restless sleep and things like that. And, you know, as we know, that has a knock-on impact into into your day the next day, you know, your work and so forth. Both um, of you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's kind of, it's just looking at the pi- the, the bigger picture. And it is, I, I do remember that session with your, with your colleagues and I know they were fantastic with the questions and one thing I'm seeing is that more men are attending all of the the, you know the workplace sessions I do and they're putting up questions and really good questions one of the most common questions I get from men is how can they support you know and I think it's great that they're even thinking like that you know whether
1: it's at home or in the workplace you know. The only shame about the fact that this is a podcast is that people can't see me nodding at you <laughs> in agreement, but I am I am, ferociously nodding here. Mm. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 like, you know, it is exciting to be part of the tide is turning. Like we were saying before we came on, you know, my mum never spoke about menopause. And I would say, um, you know, unfortunately she has dementia now, so I can't ask her. But I would say she didn't talk to anybody about it, you know, because back in those days, it wasn't a conversation, you know. So I think that, that you know, is very, very difficult. Uh, uh, uh,
1: look, again, on a personal level, I agree with you. I, I had lots of fertility treatment. My mother used to ask my sister how I was getting on. And likewise, I I, I think even if I was to ask her now, and she doesn't have dementia, but it's just... A bit like the fertility discussion the the, the menopause discussion I think she'd say I was grand yeah like I think it's a generational (laughs) thing so it's great that the conversation's happening and certainly it's something that I talk about with my girlfriends a lot and it's just so informative to understand what each of them are doing and experiencing and um and, and and it's not a conversation that I would limit to my girlfriends it's a conversation that I'd be completely comfortable having with their partners and husbands and my husband in the room as well, which is, which is great. That is fabulous. Progressive. It's
0: really progressive, isn't it? You know, I mean, that's, that's what we want. Do you think that, do you see in your work on a daily basis, do you see that many kind of companies are coming to you um, asking for more kind of hands-on help Mm. in terms of policies
1: in particular, I guess, maybe? There's definite... uh, I I wouldn't go as far as saying many, but there is definitely been and and I can't even say an increase because we were at a standing start of zero 18 months ago. But we have drafted and reviewed menopause policies for employers and we have given advice around, you know, the legal issues Mm. insofar as they exist, um, because this is a, a, a relatively new area. Um, but what they might look like and 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 some advice and recommendations because we're always about recommendations um about the kinds of things employers should be doing yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's you know one important point to note is like uh, um you don't have to have a menopause policy right now where it yeah. is it's just it's a it's it's kind of it's there to protect both the employee and the employer um you know a nice to have.
1: you don't have to have a maternity policy you Mm -hmm. don't have to have a dress code you know you don't have to have a sick pay policy there's there's lots of things um, employers don't have to have but we're in an era economically and culturally where employers are struggling to retain talent Mm -hmm. they're struggling to recruit talent everybody's talking post pandemic about the great resignation (laughs) and progressive employers and employers who are you know investing in their people and in the future Mm. of their people are you know not only have the basics what I would consider as an employment lawyer the basics around maternity policies and and holiday policies and sick pay policies Mm. but the the more progressive employers then um, will also have policies around fertility and around menopause and certainly the, the new kid on the block is the menopause Policy and look, it's not war and peace because there isn't a whole huge amount that can go into it because it's not a very um, it's not an area of the law or even in the HR space that's very developed. But there are things that can go into a policy around menopause issues that are important mm. in mm. my view
0: yeah and I'd like you say I've seen policies I've seen you know I've worked in some three pages long I've others 30 pages long Yeah, and Peace so, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. It re- and yep. you know it really just depends on it. kind of you know how far you, how much detail you want to go into it I think one of the things that I've probably noticed too it depends on the, the, the company structure in terms of you know if you have someone who has manufacturing um, you know maybe, maybe um, floor roles and then office roles then you've a little bit there might be more differentiation to take into account and it's trickier so it's, yeah and it's trickier. Yeah, very but there is
1: also you know if you take something like the tech sector in Ireland which is you know one of our biggest employers um and it's a sector that I've been involved with since the very beginning and if you take somebody you know like you know even Facebook had four people when they set up here 13 or 14 years ago they now four and a half thousand but All of those and the tech sector is very progressive in how they, again, and this is my experience and I do a lot of work in the tech sector, but they're very progressive in how they kind of move with their employees and how they've grown with them and aged with them. So, Mm. you know, there was a point seven or eight years ago where all our tech sector clients were focused on putting in place really good, you know, maternity leave policies. And then Mark Zuckerberg became a dad and he introduced paid leave for fathers and the rest of the tech sector followed that and there was the fertility movement as well and it's it's in that tech sector again now that we're seeing this increase in questions being asked about menopause and risk mm. and um policies and and there's absolutely consideration being given to doing more than just educating informing you know risk assessing it, it assessing sorry it it it's more about you know should we be considering some paid leave or flexible work or all those kinds of again more progressive thing and mm. um and the tech sector is good at that you'd expect them to be they're bigger they've more yeah. employees they've more resources progressive um, they and they are progressive and they like to be at the forefront of it but i have to say the law firms aren't doing too bad either in yeah, my experience no, yeah. so yeah. and i and i think the financial sector as well is 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 moving in that direction to and, and look, there's a whole host of reasons as by being a good employer, but there are all of these recruitment, retention, engagement type considerations as well. And they're important. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I do like, you know, I, I think like if we take even a good example on the tech sector, it Sheryl Sandberg, when she was pregnant, she introduced the concept of having um, parking spaces for pregnant women and it was only when she became pregnant and was rushing for a meeting one day she realized oh my god this is crazy I'm you know uh, she was too far away from where she needed to be and that created a change and you that, know?
1: Uh, and then Mark himself becoming yeah. a, a dad I have, I'm have, i a big fan of Sheryl Sandberg's and I loved her book I think anybody yeah, of an in. age should yeah. read that as yeah. well um, but yeah you're right and it's that and, uh, but that's what I mean about the tech sector kind of aging with their employees mm, mm, and mm. they've had to address these issues as their employees yeah. have gone from being you know graduates in their early twenties to you know new parents and and, and now you know I'm not the oldest person in the room in the tech sector meetings anymore, yeah. which is great. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but it's about eight and they have been really good at that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's yeah, and I think we can, we can. I definitely would see that with a lot of companies. Um, I've worked with one, one that really stands out um, that I've worked with now for God, nearly four years. Be Hewlett Packard. They've done a huge amount of work in the menopause space. So it's kind of, you know, it is evolving, um, yeah. and I think it, it's changing. When when we look at, um, you know, how you pr- protect you know the employee and the employer does the equality act come into play um there
1: it it does and it will um we don't have any case law around this that i am aware of yet um in ireland but the case law in the uk which is our nearest neighbor and the mm-hmm. people the you know the, the jurisdiction that we turn to as lawyers for some um, jurisprudence and for some so uh, there's been some cases over there some dating back to kind of you know 10 years ago but and uh, but several in the last three years mm. around menopause and all of them have been brought under the UK's equality legislation so on grounds of gender uh, and on grounds of age and more and most importantly on grounds of disability and what's interesting is, so so with with lots of our domestic um, employment statutes, employment legislation, we are provided with directives by the European Union, and every member state then takes those directives and implements them uh, themselves with this kind of basic spine, if you like, and that results in us all having very similar legislation, but with slight differences. So the UK have a much narrower definition of disability. Than mm. we do here in Ireland. And with their definition of disability, there has to be kind of something long lasting about the yeah. the employees' incapacity, whether it's a physical one or a, a mental one, but there has to be something kind of they talk a lot about 12 months, so there has to be something quite long lasting. In Ireland, we don't, we don't have that. So the definition of disability under our employment equality legislation is very broad. It's you know, in very simple terms, it's any malfunction of the mind or body. And there doesn't have to be any kind of lasting effects, if you like. So I often say to people, sore toe, tonsillitis, you know, depression, they're all disabilities. Um, So not the menopause per se, but the effects of the menopause Mm, mm. and how they manifest themselves um, physically and, and mentally is what has been held to be a disability several times over the course of the last few years in the UK. Um, And the focus has been on that disability piece Rather Mm. than gender or age It's the disability piece And to the extent that there hasn't been Any litigation that I know of yet To the extent that I expect there is an exposure And there will be litigation I think it will be litigation that will come under the ambit of the employment equality legislation and specifically the disability piece.
0: Yeah and I, I think I, I mean the one thing is like nobody ever wants menopause to be classified as a disability. It isn't a disability, it's not a disability. but when you yeah. come under the duration and the severity of the symptoms yeah. that's
1: where under case law it changes right? Yeah absolutely yeah. it's a bit like pregnancy. Pregnancy is not a disability but, but, but some of the side effects yeah. can be um and, and that and, and the UK the decisions are interesting because they've been at pains to say that. But menopause in itself is not it's, in yeah. and of its, a, yeah. a, it's alpha a disability, but the effects can be. And, you know, all of the effects that yeah. that you speak about, um, when it comes to menopause, like, you know, the, the impact of sleepless nights and yeah. the physical the hot flushes and all of the physical and and mental ramifications and side effects that can come with it, they can all fall within, in my view yeah, right? and it remains to be yeah. seen, but in my view they will fall within With the definition of disability yeah. and that's only a matter of time before
0: And I know in um, in the UK they've seen an upward trend in the number of tribunal cases and I think the record for uh, 2021 was 20 um, and that's grown steadily yeah. over the last number of years Like, um do you think we... Why haven't we seen anything here? Do you think that's because it just maybe... Is it that women aren't coming forward? Is it that maybe it's settled and we don't hear about it? Or what would
1: your views be? Yeah, Interesting question. Why haven't we seen... Um, I'm not sure, is the answer. I. I it, it may simply be that we're just a much smaller country. Yeah, yeah. We have a we're much we're smaller <laughs> headcount. Um, and... <laughs> You know, there are some things that we are much further ahead of in terms of claims than the UK. So things like bullying, right? We're like, we've been much much more progressive and much more ahead, if you can say that, than the UK or the US when it comes to bullying. And they've all followed our suit. Um, But with menopause, is it just that that hasn't come up yet? Is it look culturally? We're all very conscious that we live in a. a Dublin's a small town by international standards. Yeah. I'm from Galway. That's an even smaller town. <laughs> Equality cases are heard in public, mm. and mm. there's something you know. By the time you get to your forties, the number of women in the workplace is less. Um. Or and 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 you know, look, kudos to organisations like Vodafone who've who've had this huge concerted effort to get people women back into the workplace after they've done their child rearing or when their kids get to an age where they have a little bit more flexibility but I but but I think the the fact that these cases are run in public the decisions are published the parties are named you know that has an impact on people's career prospects like it or not but that's a reality and you know with the best will in the world I'd love to say that's not the case but you yeah. know what, if I sued Mason Hayden Current tomorrow, would any future employer Google me and find that? <laughs> of course they would. That yeah. is the world we live in. Yeah. And, you know, in, in in a country that's smaller than our nearest um, and dearest in the UK, I I suspect that has a factor that is a factor on women's willingness to file claims and to make this a public issue. And yeah. at some stage, somebody will. Yeah. And as the conversation yeah. grows and as, you know, amazing people like you keep driving the conversation and removing some of the t- taboo or the discomfort around the discussion, it'll become less of an issue. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that day.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's like my whole passion is just like shattering that taboo yeah. that we just completely get rid of it but I think you're right like you know I remember my days when I was a director in investment banking and obviously you know different issues come up and so forth Um, I worked with women who were going through menopause and you know I certainly think when you're in that career focus, um, you're right because yeah. you are going to be thinking about where is your next job. And, you know, I, I, it's, I'm not saying that's right, um, but I think you know, obviously, it's 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 going to be concern for anyone. I I do I do hope given the amount of companies that I'm working with and just the awareness that's happening, I, I do kind of hope we, we may prevent it happening because we may get enough education and awareness out there. Now, maybe I'm being naive. <laughs> Ever the optimist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's like, you know, I just think because if some of those cases from the UK, like it was a complete lack of education and awareness in some cases, you know, so I think
1: hopefully what we're doing now will you know will be a step towards preventing hopefully Uh, um, and what's interesting is the cases in the UK are um how do I put this they they for the most part they've been taken by females on relatively low incomes where you know so so one of the big cases you and I have discussed is an employee in the retail sector yeah so you know when that happens moving from you know one retail organization to another isn't isn't that big a deal because you're one of a number particularly in the current economic climate where yeah. we're you know we've got such Struggling high employment rates get, yeah. that people are yeah. trying to get it's 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 what I haven't seen is you know cases by female c-suite executives senior yeah. females yeah. and um I wonder about that I and and it's actually it's it's given me some food for thought myself I'm um, Um, the international co-chair of the American Bar Association and I sit on the board of the advisory board of the American Employment Lawyers Council and I'm I haven't seen them for two years obviously we've done loads of podcasts and meetings but I'm really looking forward to meeting you know my colleagues in both of those organisations and seeing how this is progressing in the US because I don't know that will be interesting because one of the things um,
0: I find uh, I would talk I have a lot of colleagues in the US and the US look to us and they would say that the UK and Ireland are actually ahead um, in terms of education and awareness around menopause in society, but also in the workplace. So, um, but I, but that's only a matter of time. Yeah, I, um, I suspect
1: you're right about that, though, because when I started going to American Bar Association meetings nearly twenty years ago, um, I I discovered very quickly the best way to get to know people was to stick my hand up and say something. And what <laughs> struck me at the time was they never used the word bullying. They had no idea what it was. They had no cases around it. This is like. Wow. Enormous yeah, continent, yeah, yeah. and the word bullying wasn't in their vocabulary, and that was twenty years ago. And it was huge for us at the time. Yeah. Huge, not so much in the UK, but huge for us. And now it's it's a lot. It's a big focus of what we talk about at our conferences and okay. at our meetings, um, and 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 the you know menopause and and other female issues like you know well fertility isn't a female issue but other uh, you know those kind of more sensitive topics aren't something they discuss so you may well be right that the Mm. europeans are much more progressive about it so i'll report back we might do another (laughs) podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly next year that'd be good certainly ask
0: it's like um i know italy are really progressive in relation to fertility and also in relation to menopause and I actually wouldn't have thought that a couple of years ago only for kind of yeah. talking to, to different people in Italy so it's kind of it's just um it's it's different like if we look at um uh, Sweden and I I know from colleagues there that they will say they have the same pretty much the same issues as us when it comes to menopause both in society and in the workplace but where they a big difference is is in relation to sexual health because they will find that they it's a very kind of they're very relaxed they're very open about it whereas we wouldn't be mm. so it's it, every country has different
1: um but isn't it nuances? interesting how massive an impact a country's <coughs> culture has on the law and on the workplace Yeah,
0: the cultural side of it is massive Um, I know when I was doing research recently I'm in the midst I'm nearly there of writing a book on menopause and I was looking at variations across different countries and if you look at the Mayan culture in South America, Central America they actually celebrate menopause Um, now they go into menopause a lot earlier the average age would be somewhere between 44 to 46 but it's a huge liberation for them so every culture will have a different view, and that obviously impacts in, in the workplace as well. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we when we look at um, say that deference to the UK and so forth, I think this is where I find like I have a huge amount of colleagues in the UK, and there's a huge kind of. Um, there's a great transfer of information mm. which is happening, and and we're both benefiting um, from from that. And I think it it does help everybody in terms of kind of knowledge and awareness around menopause. Like you know, say the Davina McCall documentary that came out that caused you know there was another spotlight created here because we're such close neighbours. So yeah, you know it, it it all helps. When we look at um you know far. A woman in the workplace. What advice would you give in terms of if they're experiencing issues, um, or you know, maybe they're just it's some it's related to their menopause symptoms. Um,
1: you know, where would they start, or you know, what would you say? Yeah, good question. I, I, I um, I'd have two pieces of advice, and the first one is that it, it, it depends on the organisation, but if they've the particular female is in an organisation that has a HR function then I think the first thing to do is go and talk to the HR function mm. to see what supports might be there that they might not know about you know lots of organisations of policies and procedures that are in a drawer somewhere <laughs> and that you know it's the bane of my life but but there may be supports there or there may be some understanding and that's absolutely a conversation should happen mm. in the first instance mm. that's the first thing to do if there isn't a HR function or if that trip slash conversation isn't uh, or doesn't result in 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 any change or any support then i I have to say i think the next best thing to do is to take some medical advice and get a letter or report from the the gp or the menopause consultant or whoever the employee Mm -hmm. is taking the advice from because it's very easy for an employee you know, whether it's menopause related or, you know, eyesight related or hearing related or psychiatric to say, well, I I have this condition or that condition and it's a disability and you can't touch me. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. I, we can all, we all have disabilities and we can have disabilities. An employer's obligation is to accommodate insofar as it's reasonable an employee's disability. Mm-hmm. So the employer needs to know what the disability is and what accommodations are necessary. So it's no, th- there's no point going and saying, well, I, I'm 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 going through the menopause, so, like it's, it, it's more about it's having this impact on me and this is what I need you to do to make sure I can perform in my role. Mm. So. Mm. And and I think best if that is backed up by some medical evidence, right? Yeah. Because it's very easy, you know. None of us are. I'm not a doctor, so it's yeah. It's best, and it's much more objective if it's backed up by medical evidence. So a letter from a doctor saying, you know, and and it doesn't have to say menopause. It has, but it has to specify it's symptom symptoms, or, symptoms, yes. and um, uh, or the effects and. And what might be done to alleviate those, right? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's flexible working. Sometimes it's, you know, rest breaks or it's the ability to go and, because some of the cases are interesting, the ability to go and just have a glass of water to take some medication, which, you know, is fine for you and me because we're sitting at desks. But it, hmm. you mentioned a factory floor earlier on. If you're in a shop or in a factory floor, it's not that easy to get five minutes to go, yeah. get yourself a glass of water, put it, You know, Mm. sachet of medication into it, let it dissolve, take it, and go back to the floor. So, so you know, if an employee can't perform in a role, um, despite what an employer might do to accommodate that, then then that's a different issue. But for most women going through menopause, the the effects some of them can be horrendous, but. But there is usually a way to try and alleviate the impact on the employee's ability mm-hmm. to perform in the role. But that has to be, as I said, in my view, backed up by some medical evidence and then, you know, a part of a conversation rather than a demand with the employer. Because the employer yeah. is obliged to yeah. do something to accommodate a disability, mm-hmm. um, which is what these effects will be. But but it's 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 not... It's not an obligation to, you know, rework the whole role. It's 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 what's reasonable in all of the circumstances, and what's reasonable for the corner shop across the road is completely yeah. different to what's <laughs> reasonable for IBM. Yeah, big time. And we're mm. all uh, mm. they're both employers. They both have the same statutory obligations. But what's reasonable, particularly in the context of accommodating somebody with a disability, like the effects and impact of. Menopause and, and 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 the symptoms of menopause. What's reasonable for the corner shop may be quite simply completely different to what's reasonable for an organisation like IBM.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned an important point there. You know, is in relation to kind of that relationship with um the employee and you know the employer manager hr whoever that is it has to be collaborative and supportive because i always kind of say look if you're going to approach your um manager or hr you know have like a maximum pick two symptoms um but whatever symptoms you pick have a proposed solution supporting menopause does not have to be expensive in the workplace so you can have very practical solutions but it's going into that meeting like let's say for example a very common issue again this could be if you're on a factory floor retail um or you're in a desk job A very common issue is bladder issues that can happen so it may simply be that you want to move your desk so you're closer to the restroom as opposed to having to do this walk every hour and kind of just feeling more conscious of it so I think you know it's very hard to see how something like that
1: wouldn't be utterly reasonable in the context of what an employer is legally obliged to do
0: yeah Yeah. so and then of course there's you know the practical things like you know a fan on the desk and this is where COVID has actually been very good in many ways to women who have been experiencing challenging symptoms because it has allowed them to work from home where they can open the window they can you know put down blinds they can set up their workspace so it completely accommodates them Um, and I know a lot of women in a survey I did last year reported that that you know they, they enjoyed COVID but but on the flip side of that, there was a lot of anxiety about the return to the workplace.
1: You it's, know? it's a good point because I, like, I, I was having a look back through some of the policies that we have reviewed for um, clients over the last year or so. And um, one of the ones I looked at this morning you know, did all of the things you'd expect a policy to do and then set out some of the supports and adjustments which the organization would consider for somebody going through the menopause but there were exactly all of those kind of things Mm. that you mentioned desk moves fans temperature controlled environments breaks flexible working you know for people who are having Mm -hmm. difficulty sleeping Um, you know remote working you know as an accommodation all of those kinds of things are exactly you know The things that have been touched Mm -hmm. on and I would recommend are touched on in in an organization's policies around menopause. Yeah Yeah. and it's you know it's interesting when you mentioned temperature control
0: when companies started to develop air conditioning and temperature control they actually tested it predominantly on men So they weren't taking into account the variations that can happen, which I think is very interesting in relation to, you know, if you've got a standard um, temperature, it may not not always work. And, you know, obviously you can have feel differently coming close to your monthly cycles and so forth. So, you know, it's just it's having being being in a position to have that flexibility to to tailor is really important. And the other thing is, is um, I'm always harping on about the fact that menopause is so unique to every single person, so you could have two people in your team going through menopause, but they can be having completely different experiences. And that's really important to kind of bear in mind. We've mentioned as we've talked like different symptoms of menopause, but I did a survey in the workplace last year and one of the top five symptoms five five of the top five symptoms so four of them are psychological um, you're looking at brain fog is the leading most challenging symptom that women would report in the workplace and you know that then you know anxiety loss of confidence issues with sleep then it's more physical it's aches and pains and so forth um, and when we look at that the the brain fog aspect I know that has a huge impact um, on women who are like yourself, who are in the legal profession, to you know, um, women maybe being in finance, to being in retail, to being in manufacturing, it's
1: the hardest symptom to manage. Where the memory to, and the to, concentration, to even identify, presumably, mm. like to identify, to manage, to explain, and to be objective about. Here am I saying, back it up with some medical advice? I'm trying to be ob- <laughs> objective, but but to be objective and. Um, uh, not even just to manage but to identify something like brain fog I, I I, do think though when,
0: you,
1: when your doctor
0: has experience with menopause they're well versed in relation to the cognitive um, issues but it's those issues that are really scary for women in the workplace because it's like I remember a couple of years ago um, um, uh, speaking to uh, a woman who was in you know, a high profile role, she was presenting on a regular um, basis and she starts to forget information. I, I was in that seat myself when I started perimenopause. I remember um, at the time, you know, being in one particular meeting and I completely forgot information that never happened to me before. And I think that's that's it's it's really difficult and it's really scary.
1: Uh, it, and it's a, it's also a legal issue because some of the cases in the UK have been around performance managing women going mm-hmm. through menopause and some of the performance issues um arose directly as a result of forgetfulness brain fat, fog you know absenteeism mm. lateness because of the you know the insomnia, the insomnia and all of that yeah. so um and and you know certainly if somebody if an organization came to me um and wanted some advice around a performance management plan performance improvement plan with an employee of an age who was saying you know i'm late because i was up all night because i had the night sweats or because Mm -hmm. i was suffering from insomnia and um i I am I have a bit of forgetfulness or brain fog and all of these symptoms then my advice to an employer will be well you know it's going to be very hard to discipline and and sanction somebody like that because that's part of your obligation to accommodate so you Mm -hmm. need to have the conversation about you know lightening the load reducing the hours changing the times of work those kinds of things but again if if, if the same employee if the same female came to me I'd be saying well yes you can say that but you need to back it up yeah you need to back it up and you can't just throw it out there Mm. Um, you know it's a little bit like every organisation now who tries to discipline anybody gets a cert that says the employee's stressed or anxious and going through a disciplinary process for anybody, for whatever reason, whether it's performance related or conduct related or redundancy process, they're all stressful. stressful yeah. But they're the kind of stresses and strains and anxiety and anxiousness that are part of working life mm. and mm. part of being an adult. And 20 years ago, people just got on and got through them, whereas now there's the inevitable sickness absence, there's the inevitable yeah. cert. Um and and I don't as a woman and as a professional and as a forty six year old, I do not want to end up in a situation where you know employers are rolling their eyes at anybody over the age of forty or that it becomes the easy excuse yeah. or the easy mm-hmm. fallback. and you know, there is a bit of that with women of a certain age when it comes to you know, their childbearing years and the length of absences and, you know the ones who don't come back afterwards or are 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 sick throughout their pregnancies and there's so much genuineness to some of that yeah but there are uh, are others who who milk it and i don't want personally and professionally i don't want the menopause to become that mm. issue yeah so for any female who's listening to this absolutely have the conversation with your employer but but be objective about it and back it up with some medical advice rather than throwing it out there. And to any organisation or any HR practitioner or any people manager listening to this, I'd say the same thing. Be prepared to have the conversation. Be prepared to accommodate. Be reasonable. But look for that backup or Mm. look, you know, or have an employee medically reviewed yourselves. Most organisations now have occupational health consultants, again, one of the cases in the UK, um, the, the employee refused to go to the occupational health consultant because he was a man and because she didn't feel comfortable and they said there was no female doctor. Like, it's, it's 2022, yeah. you know, every yeah. Organi- yeah, occupational health organization has female doctors. And if they don't, move somewhere else <laughs> if the employee wants to see a female yeah. doctor. Yeah. Because there are issues like this. Yeah, We're all much more comfortable Discussing with female doctors, Mm. you know, there's lots of female issues. We're all more comfortable discussing with female doctors. So, you know, there's a little bit of give and take, but be objective, be factual about it, and let's just not make this the the the. the, We can't we we can't can't make it
0: another rod to beat ourselves up with. We really can't because I I think, um, as you said, and I know we're rolling eyes here. We don't want it to be that rolling eyes. We want it to be that this is and menopause is an inevitable stage of life. And it's difficult. Yes. And we want we want the support during these years. And I think I think an essential part of that, because this is a conversation I have so often Women just saying, I, I'm, I don't want to speak to my manager because maybe they're younger, and um, which is very common, or maybe that because um, they're they're male that they don't want to speak to him. where And I'm really encouraging you've just you know you need to open the conversation you know
1: and but Catherine and isn't that back then to the employer's obligation to inform and educate completely and completely yeah, because and because otherwise if i say to you you
0: know if i say you know hi mary or john can i speak to you next week about my menopause if mary is younger and has no education around menopause or if John is uncomfortable with the subject and again also maybe you know is at an age where he hasn't had a partner who's gone through it or you know his parent and just doesn't have that awareness then we have to give them that education so they can actually sit across the table or sit beside someone and not become, let's be honest, not become red faced when the word menopause is mentioned or hot flushes or brain fog, to be comfortable with it. I find there's so much difficulty um, with people even mentioning the word menopause. I mean, I obviously say it in my sleep, Yes, (laughs) but, you know, when you're not working in it like I do every day, it becomes it it is a challenging and sensitive subject. So we've we've also got to be aware of the fact the privacy that comes with it you know because you know an employee may not want to go into much detail and you know that's it's obviously the disclosure is at the onus of the employee
1: you know yeah but you know what we're back to where we started again about this being a a taboo issue and you know you and and your colleagues in the same space working hard to to make sure this isn't a taboo thing anymore but I've lost my train of thought and I was going to say going that's to the say brain, fog. That's that is, brain fog that's <laughs> the brain fog brain um, fog I can tell you something to take for that <laughs> but but, but and I have lost my train of thought but I also wanted to say we're back to kind of you know the type of session that we did in Mason, Hayes and Curran last year you know which was like you know you ran and, and it was to inform and educate but if employers don't want to do that kind of inform and educate piece the benefit of having a policy is that it's in there and mm. as you say a policy can be three pages or it can be 300 pages but a basic policy would have a what is the menopause this is what it is yeah these are the symptoms and these are the kinds of things that can help and this is what we're prepared to do to support and to make adjustments for you and having that policy there and having it on you know an organization's intranet which is where mm. most employers have their employee handbooks now are in the employee handbook um, is is fantastic and is something that I think is going to become increasingly common, um, and and I hope it will become increasingly common. But like I said earlier. It's not enough to have a policy. It's not enough to have an employee handbook. You need to communicate yeah. them. You need to make sure they're not in the drawer in somebody's <laughs> office, which yeah. is far too often the case. Yeah,
0: and and I think like so many women, you know, will say, yes, love to, love to see a policy, but I want the education. And one of the things I think 78% of people in the survey I ran said they wanted to see training for um, managers mm. brought into their workplace because that will make having that conversation easier and I, I you know I, I really do hope you know it might be next year it might be a few more years down the line but I really do hope we do get to a situation where women just can go in and have that conversation and I think a really important point which you touched on earlier is it coming from c-suite down yes we need to start seeing senior um, f- senior females in you know in high profile senior roles we need like Anne O'Leary and Vodafone we need yes. to start seeing the communication and the openness being drilled down because that
1: will really help you know across an organization. I remember when I became the head of the employment practice a few years ago having a conversation with a man in the UK, who was a head of a similar-sized employment practice and had been for a few years, um, really nice man, loads of admiration for him, but he told me that he he worked remotely on a Wednesday. Now this is ten years ago when people weren't working yeah. remotely, and that he worked part-time on a Wednesday. And I, I I said to him, explain that to me, and he said, well, you know, I I I bring the kids to school and then I go and play tennis and then I come back and I check my emails and then I collect the kids do their homework then have dinner and i check my emails again in the evening so he said i do a half day's work but i spread it out between the kids and my tennis and i thought i said to him oh i said that that, that's great isn't that and in my naivety i said something really awful to him like well i don't think i could do that because i'm now the head of the practice and i need to be there to see for everybody to see me and he said well i'm the head of the practice and that's exactly the reason I do it, because the female lawyers on my team are not going to actually think that it's okay for them to work remotely or work part time unless they see me doing it. I remember that oh, being one of the biggest yeah. lessons I ever learned. So very inspired. progressive ten years ago very, wow. and, and i and I think that 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 yeah. you know it's incumbent upon me and people yeah. like me now yeah. to start. Set the trend Send set message. the message To be open yeah. To be um, uh, and To talk about it mm. And to put the to, to start the conversation And keep the conversation going So um, I learned a huge lesson from him Yeah And, that's and a, it's that's the same a, lesson That's a big one yes. Isn't it yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah That's great Yeah
0: yeah, but that is where we need to, we we have to start seeing it come more. And I know there's celebrities talking about it and so forth, but we need to be practical here. We need to be talking about yep. the workplaces from retail to office, finance, tech, the whole lot. We just like, as I, I kind of always say is like, you know, we saw what Sheryl Sandberg did when she hit pregnancy. I'm dying to see what happens when she hits perimenopause, yep. you know, because it that will bring change, you know, so, you know. Agreed yeah any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us um
1: not really other than to go back to where we started i mean we're in this era of the great resignation we are and i see this i see this in my own organization and i see it with clients we're in um an era where talent recruitment retention engagement is phenomenal Um, We're in a very progressive era era where we have, you know, like we've discussed, talked about fertility and talked about men taking parental leave and -hmm. and being, you know, walking the walk as well as talking the talk and, and, and being good examples. And I think... You know, to to I love that I'm here today. I love that you decided great. to have yeah. an employment lawyer here. Uh, I love that I'm a female employment lawyer having this conversation <laughs> with you. But I think it's important, and I hope that it's something we continue to talk about. Mm. And I hope that this trend of employers being more aware and more conscious and more prepared to engage and educate and have policies and the policies don't have to be expensive. Like some yeah. employers yeah. are looking at giving females paid time off. That's great. But that's not practical for lots of organizations mm. or it's too expensive or they don't have the resources. But but having policies and educating um, across the organization, yeah. people managers, people who are not people managers, because they may become people mm-hmm. managers later. Um, and having a culture where it's OK to have the conversations, I think, is massively important. But I also think it's important that we're objective and that we don't let it become the thing, the stick, as you say. Yeah. That's another female issue, I'm slightly concerned, you know, that this whole right to request remote working is something that more women than men will use. Um, there's another law firm in Dublin who who have said, well, you know, if, if women are going to work from two days a week from home, then men have to work two days a week from home to get that balance. And I thought that was great. I thought it was very inspired. Okay. But yeah. I think it's this is a ma- male issue as, as much as it is a female issue. And it, hugely, it, it impacts hugely. not just people over 40 in an organization. It impacts everybody in yeah. the organization for a whole load of different mm-hmm. reasons. And as you say, not least because somebody's manager may well be male and younger than them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like menopause can happen before 40 as well. And I think, you know, also it obviously it, it, it encompasses the diversity, equality and inclusion aspect as yes. well. So to me, um, you know, menopause is... It's everybody's business. Agreed. So, Melanie, thanks so much. And I am definitely going to talk to you again when you speak to your US (laughs) colleagues and let's see what's happening in the US. I'll be back. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Just to remind you, the Menopause Success Summit is happening on the 21st of May in the Radisson Blue in Cork. I would love you to join me at this event, which we're gathering together experts across various fields of menopause. And I know you will get loads of practical information on the day. So check out all the details at www.menopauseSuccessSummit.com. Summit thank you.